0: Let us pray. O God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. As far back as I can remember in my childhood, I always preferred coloring on a blank sheet of paper instead of in a coloring book. Sure, I could stay inside the lines in the coloring book, but they seem so restrictive and boring. I've seen some great pictures that children have done when they purposely colored outside the lines to make their drawings more vibrant and exciting, or when they used imaginative colors that adults might not usually consider, like a purple polka dotted horse, or a blue dog, or my personal favorite, A snowman dressed in a Hawaiian shirt on a beach. Coloring inside the lines may be good for a child's fine motor skills, but going beyond the lines can be good for the soul. In many areas of life, rules and regulations, guidelines and order can be important. Without the rule of law, there would be more chaos in society. Without some guidelines, things would be harder to accomplish. In the Presbyterian Church, we use something called, anybody know? The Book of Order (laughs) that gives us helpful guidance about worship and about how to function well together and fairly as a community of faith. At the same time, we need to be open to wherever the Spirit of God might lead us And sometimes God takes us out of the nice structures and plans we have set for ourselves. In the stories of Jesus, we hear again and again how he upsets the scribes and the Pharisees when he goes outside of the religious laws. It isn't that Jesus is against those rules himself necessarily, but he's trying to see them to help them see that everything needs to be approached through the lens of love first. When we do that, compassion sometimes dictates that we go against what we have been taught or the boundaries that others have set for us. God colors outside the lines, folks, and that may take some getting used to. It certainly is a surprise to Philip. Philip has been proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever the Spirit guides him. He has been in Samaria... And he's been happy there. He's been successful in ministry, spreading the gospel. And then on this one particular day, God calls him out of that without so much as a thank you and sends him in another direction to a wilderness road in the middle of the desert. Now, I've been to that particular desert area, and it isn't made of beautiful shifting sands like you might see in the movies. It's just barren and rocky, and dusty, and hot, and dry. So there Philip is on that desolate road when he sees a chariot. The Spirit tells him now to run after the chariot and go sit with the man when he finds it. Although the Scripture never mentions the man's name, as I mentioned the last time I preached on this in 180, A.D., the church leader Irenaeus wrote about him and called him Simeon. Simeon is from what to them was the far-off land of Ethiopia. To Philip, it would seem like the ends of the earth. An attendant of the queen of Ethiopia and head of her treasury, treasury, this man Simeon is wearing splendid clothes that would seem exotic to Philip's eyes. At the same time, he is a man who has been hurt and humiliated. Like others who have the position of an attendant to the queen, Simon is a eunuch. He's been castrated in extreme measure, taken to assure that he could be trusted not to have relations with the queen or to have any family that might take him away from his focus and his devotion. Seeking to worship God, though, yearning to know God, Simon goes to the temple in Jerusalem. But the laws of the Israelites, where you can find them in Deuteronomy, expressly forbids anyone who has been castrated to enter the temple. It has something to do with that culture's purity codes. Can you imagine yearning to know more about God And going to a temple or going to a church today only to be rejected and dismissed by the very community of faith you hoped would embrace you. As Philip gets closer to Simeon's chariot, he hears him reading out loud this scroll from the prophet Isaiah, and he shouts out, Hey, hey, you there, do you even know what you're reading? You could imagine after the rejection Simeon has experienced in Jerusalem when he hoped somebody would explain what he was reading, you imagine the hurt, the frustration as he says, how can I unless someone guides me? But the spirit of the living God whispered to Philip's heart that day. And soon we find him sitting side by side with this stranger from faraway land explaining the part of the scripture from Isaiah about humility and pain and justice being denied to the suffering servant. Imagine his joy when he begins to understand that in Jesus Christ, God identifies with the outcast, with the outsider, with the marginalized. That God breaks down the barriers erected by the cruel and the heartless, And includes all people as beloved children of God. Philip helps Simeon to understand that God's love is for him too. As they ride along, they're surprised to see this stream of water out there in the desert and bubbling over with excitement. Simeon asks, then what is to prevent me from being baptized too? Well, plenty could prevent him. The rules, the regulations, the purity codes. But they are traveling a wilderness road, and they know that God's answer to what can prevent him from being baptized is absolutely nothing. In that moment, God uses Philip as a vessel of grace, of unconditional love. Philip baptizes Simeon right then and there, and just like that, Simeon and Philip go from being strangers to being part of the same family of God. To this day, the church in Ethiopia traces its roots to Simeon's baptism. You and I can make more of a difference than we imagine. You and I can be vessels of God's love in this world, helping those around us to realize that they matter and that we see them. It doesn't take something as dramatic as baptism in the desert. I'm on a mission, grants, and networking committee of the Presbytery, and this past week, three of us were giving a report at the Presbytery meeting. At the end of it, a man named Mike talked about one of the times he could have made a difference. Years ago, before we had cell phones, he was driving along a road when he saw a woman in a broken-down car. She was slumped over the steering wheel, crying. For a split second, he thought of stopping to help her, but he was on his way somewhere, and he was in a hurry to get there, so he kept going. Mike said that after all that time, he doesn't remember where he had to be that morning. He just remembers the woman that he passed by. Now consider the different choice made by a teenager. Rick and Patty Parker live in a two-story home in the suburbs of Boston. One of their two twin sons, Ben, was born with cerebral palsy that left him blind and nonverbal and using a feeding tube. Every night, his dad would carry him up the stairs to his bedroom so that he could be close by to them and his brother. The layout of the house couldn't accommodate moving all the bedrooms downstairs. When Ben was eight years old, his father had a complicated heart surgery, and he was never again supposed to carry anything heavy. He couldn't carry his son up those 14 steps, and his wife wasn't able to do it either. They were desperate for a solution when a young man, a teenager named Rudy, showed up. Rudy, who was born in Haiti, had heard of the situation and he wanted to help. When his own mother had been pregnant with him, the doctors had told her that he probably would be born with a severe disability. They had been wrong, but Rudy knew how fortunate he was. He offered to go to the Parker's house every night, and carry Ben up the stairs. Rudy was a strapping high school football player, and some of his teammates jokingly nudged him about it, and yet night after night, he would go to the Parker's house, he would scoop Ben up in his arms, cradle him as he carried him upstairs, and then gently put him to bed. Patty said, to say my son worships the ground rudy walks on is an understatement it envelops you that love that generosity of spirit you know that you are witnessing something that's much bigger than a young boy carrying than a young man carrying a boy upstairs rudy's simple act was not what most people would have expected of a teenage football star or of anyone Will you and I really listen to where the Spirit might be calling us? It's so easy to get locked into a box of our own making, confined by the limits we place on our lives. We know our own priorities, our own plans for the future, and yet God can come along with the mighty wind of the Spirit, scatter all the pages off your desk, and point you to a place that you never thought you would go. And yet, if you are open to the barrier-breaking vision of God, coloring outside of your own lines, you might just change another life and find your own life changed in the process. Amen.